You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Yo, what is going on, guys? Welcome to another episode here of the EPA podcast brought to you by Bleeding Green Nation. I'm one of your hosts today, Victor Williams. You can follow me on all social platforms over at the Philly Pod. Appreciate you guys for checking out this uh, weekly edition of the show following a, uh, a Eagles win as they defeated the Packers on Sunday night, 40 uh, to 33 behind a record setting performance on multiple fronts by Jalen Hurts. Of course, uh, joining me as always, my co-host on the show. You can follow him on Twitter at half and half TPL. You can find his YouTube channel of all the breakdowns. I'm sure he has videos up of uh, some of the things that have occurred already on Sunday night. He is Shane Half. What's going on, man? We got to be feeling good after the Eagles sit at 10 and one in firm command of the NFC's top seed. Yeah, it feels good. Um, I haven't had as much time as normal to go back and watch tape and make videos and all that. I've had sick kids home all week, but uh, mm. we're, we're recording during nap time right now. So we'll see how that goes, but uh, <laughs> it does feel good to get on the get behind the mic and talk Eagles again, especially after a victory. Uh, the Eagles offense, they kind of seem to break out of a slump. It's been a little rough the last couple of weeks, but they dropped 40 on the Packers. So it's hard to feel bad about that. Yeah, they also allowed 33 to the Packers, a team that was like routinely barely putting up 21 points. <laughs> so that is uh, a point I'm sure uh, we will we will get into. I feel like uh, there must be something like going around. A lot of my like friends, families like sick, like flu like symptoms. It must be that time of the year where uh, everybody uh, everybody's getting sick. So hopefully kids kids are doing all right. And don't come kicking the door down <laughs> in, yes. in, the, in the middle. Um, in the middle of this, but yes, Jalen Hurts backpacking the team even more so than he has been all season long, increasing his MVP stock along the way on the primetime stage. Uh, for what it's worth, he outdueled Aaron Rodgers. I know that doesn't hold a lot of weight this year, but to 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 do it, it's still it's still a feat in its own right. On route to the forty to thirty three uh, victory. So as we all know, I guess I should run over, run down the list of things that Jalen Hurts did accomplish against Green Bay record wise. So I, I, for the people that haven't heard it, you know, I nauseum to this point because I'm sure it's been run off the uh, run run across the media uh, a million times to this point. But these are are basically the 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 five things that Jalen Hurts and the Eagles were able to accomplish uh, uh, on Sunday night. Uh, so first, as we all know, the first player in NFL history with 125 plus passing yards and 125 plus rushing yards and a half, first player in history to do that. Also the first player in history with at least 6,500 passing yards and 1,500 rushing yards in their first 30 starts. First player in history with 150 passing yards, 150 rushing yards, and two passing touchdowns in a regular season game. I think Kaepernick did it in a, in a playoff game, but Hertz is the first one to do it in a regular season game. As, as we all know, he broke the franchise record for most rushing yards by a quarterback in Eagles history, breaking Mike Vick's prior record of 130 set back in 2010. And uh, Miles Sanders, Hertz and Miles Sanders became the first Eagles teammates to rush for over 140 yards in the same 
game. So Shane, when you hear all of that stuff, all of these things that the Eagles were able to do in one single game, I mean, how how does it make you feel that Jalen Hurts is seemingly breaking records every week, more especially uh, doing it on prime time in front of the nation? <laughs> yeah, I mean, he tops a hundred uh, rushing yards in the first quarter. Mm-hmm. And he only ended like 20 something yards shy of the single game record NFL wide. And you, you just get the feeling that Nick Sirianni didn't realize that or the way he is, he would have probably chased that record too. Um, becomes the first player to rush and pass for 150 plus yards and multiple touchdowns in a game. Mm-hmm. And on top of it, Miles Sanders has a career high in rushing yards as well, 143, two touchdowns. So they rushed for 363 yards on the night. And we sat on this podcast last week and told you the Packers run defense was bad. It was going to be a big rushing day. I still didn't expect this. Um, so it was nice to see them able to just pound the rockets, vintage throwback football, and they were just moving guys on the defensive line. So it's always good. It kind of gets your, your offensive line back in a groove. Offensive line loves to go attack. And so, uh, impressive performance by the Eagles on the ground and Hertz had some really nice scrambles too. All of those weren't designed runs. You know, you think of like that first third down on the opening drive, the third and 10 and he tucks it and runs. It's not a designed run, but he made like four guys miss and you could just kind of sense that it was going to be a special night for Hertz running the football. And he certainly didn't disappoint. Yeah. I, I was almost for certain that they were going to go for that record. It would have been funny for, uh, for just the fields to have that record for all of three weeks before Jalen Hurts came up, came, came up and broke it. I was certain that he was, he was going to break it, but yeah, the, the records are certainly nothing, nothing to scoff at. And for, for him to not only, uh, show what he could do on the ground, but his transformation as a passer this season has been, um, um, something to watch as well. Uh, as we both know, guys who have been watching the film and watching him progress week, week to week, seemingly, and it feels like he's improving every single week some of the throws he's making is throws that i couldn't fathom him making five years from now let alone let alone in in, in a few weeks uh that that throw at the end of the half to quez Watkins, right at the pylon knowing that quez was going to be there and the adjustment that quez made was was impressive as well and the throw that i saw you tweet during the game where he pretty much scrambled like 15 20 yards back off the back foot and still basically put it in quez's hands if 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 mahomes does that you see it up and down the (laughs) up and down the uh, the timeline you see it tweeted nationally uh, but the thing, the things that Hertz is doing is, is man, we were saying last week that Mahomes is probably going to run away with the MVP because Hertz won't have the stats to to contend. But man, I feel like he closed the gap with with that last performance. Yeah, that that throw you mentioned. Well, both of those throws to Quez, the the tu- the one that was the touchdown, just the the confidence in wide receiver three. Like this isn't him throwing <laughs> it to AJ Brown. Uh, who we know that he likes to throw the ball to in those situations. This isn't him throwing it to Devonta Smith, who they have really good timing with. This is wide receiver three that hasn't been super involved this year. And he gets the sing- the man coverage, the single coverage that he likes, and he just puts it to the pylon on the back shoulder. And the confidence to do that puts it in the perfect spot, and Quez just comes back to it and makes the catch. Just great chemistry between those guys. And then the other one, man, to to scramble right and then spin and go to the left and then stop and flip his hips and he puts the ball on Quez's hands like it's not a touchdown but man that's the most that that might be the most impressive throw Jalen's made this year and and it's not a criticism of Quez Watkins like that would have been an unbelievably difficult catch even if he brings it in I don't know if he could have got both feet down but on a third and goal or well it wasn't third and goal it was like third and ten from the twelve but essentially third and goal just to know 
that I'm going to give my receiver a chance and only him a chance and to be able to put the ball in that spot. It was just impressive stuff. And so honestly, the most impressive throw of the season for Hertz and it resulted in an incompletion. Yeah, that's that's I, I couldn't believe that that throw even made it to Quez's hands. I, I thought for sure that was just going to soar out the at the at the back of the end zone. That's pinpoint precision when you're when you're when you're running around and trying to avoid pressure and and the whole bit. And we as a, and we as people like as 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 numbers guys and analytics guys and and I wanted to make aware the the notion and Shane, I'm pretty sure you know where this is going of, of the RPO basically. So so. There's there's a lot of like rival fan bases that uh, are like that basically say Hertz is only this successful because of the RPO. They try to make it sound like it's this glorified form of the Wildcats, the simple offense that she, uh, that any mobile quarterback could be successful in. When my 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 counter argument to that was that it's quite the opposite. I think it's an advanced version of the play action because you not only have to analyze what's going on around you, but you have to also execute it at a high level and make pinpoint decisions within what do you have two two and a half seconds to make a decision before defenders are either tackling you or tackling the ball carrier or the coverage is already somewhere else and you have to make make that decision i feel like the intelligence level needed to comprehend all of that in such a short amount of time makes it an advanced level of an offense not not the other way around um i already know where you stand as far as the rpo and you have all the numbers that dictate whether hertz has truly been successful because of the rpo or not but what do you make of that notion that that basically Hertz is, is an RPO merchant, as as Dallas fans will tell you. <laughs> well, first of all, if if and I won't deny the fact that RPOs, there's there are simpler reads. It, RPOs, play action, rollouts, those sorts of things help your quarterback out. Any and quarterback. So if, any quarterback. Yeah, and so if you're if the argument is well, that's why he's good. Then my question is, why doesn't your offensive coordinator do that? Like, <laughs> why is your offensive coordinator trying to play with one hand tied behind his back? This isn't a challenge to see how difficult you can make life on your quarterback. But that aside, you know, I, I quote tweeted your tweet about this with the stats. Yeah, the the double inception. The double inception. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As if, if you remove all of Hertz RPO passes, which accounts for just under 23% of his passes, if you take those away and you just stack him up to the NFL as a whole, he's still eighth in completion percentage. He's sixth in QB rating. He's fourth in yards, air yards per attempt. And he's second in interception percentage and interception percentage. Like that means he's got the second lowest percentage. Right. right. So even if you remove that, like in almost every category you want to come up with, he's a top six to eight guy. Mm-hmm. And you wouldn't believe the number of people that thought that somehow I was taking a shot at Sliding her. That. Yeah, I was I'm reading the comments. Sure. I was like, I think, uh, I think people misunderstood. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure how people got that, but there's, it's undeniable that Hertz benefits from the RPO game, but if you remove it completely from the splits, he's still quarterbacking at a phenomenal level this season. So it just comes down to, he's good without it. It's not a gimmick propping him up, but why wouldn't you make life easier on your quarterback when you can? Exactly. Exactly. And my, and mind you, Nick Foles, like we RPO'd our asses all the way to the Super Bowl, like off the, uh, off it with Nick Foles, a guy that wasn't the most mobile guy ever. So the funniest so, thing there too, is in 2017, they barely ran RPOs for Carson Wentz. And then Nick, <laughs> and then Foles, Nick Foles got in, in there. RPO central. <laughs> that is hilarious. I think my, I think the most special thing about Hertz this season has been, uh, his third and fourth down efficiency. I feel like once you get to third down, Hertz becomes virtually unguardable, regardless of the distance. On third down this season, uh, I think I have the right year. On third down this season, Jalen Hurts forty. So basically, uh, forty out of sixty. So 66 67 percent completion percentage. 
Uh, 29 first downs. This is all passing. We'll, we'll get to the rushing. 29 first downs, zero interceptions, three touchdowns, 111.3 passer rating. When you get to the rushing, he has 22 uh, rushing first downs and two touchdowns, all coming on third down. So the 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 Mr. Move the Chains thing is becoming like a status quo of of, of Jalen Hurts. I've been very impressed with with how he's been able to uh, to constantly move the chains, keep his offense on the field, especially when there's um, the situations where the Eagles uh, give the opposing give the opposition very good field position with their lack of of, of special teams. Uh, before before I get to that area, though, I did want to talk about Quez Watkins just a second because uh, you touched on him just a little bit. Shane, his first eight games, Quez Watkins, and obviously Dallas got it going down factors into this, uh, but his first eight games, Quez Watkins, 13 targets, just eight receptions, 113 yards, one touchdown. The last three games, 11 targets, nine catches, 146 yards, and two touchdowns. So I know a lot of fans were screaming, all this, like, I want to see um, I want to see Quez more involved. He's way too talented to, to, to be underutilized. I understand Zach Paschal is more efficient as a run blocker, but I would like to see Quez get more opportunities, and the Eagles have done just that in, in the last three weeks. Uh, to your point on the third and fourth downs, uh, the Eagles on third and fourth downs, they're second in the NFL in success rate, so converting third and fourth downs into first downs. Second in the league? Altogether? Second in the league, behind nice. only the Bills, and they're fifth in EPA on third and fourth downs. So they've been highly efficient on third and fourth downs. A lot of it even goes into the, you know, it goes to the QB sneaks, which didn't go so well in this game. But yeah, teams are starting to figure of this that game, out. They've worked really well, <laughs> um, so a lot of it goes into that. But they're so good on third and fourth downs. Um, and yeah, Quez Watkins, I-, I thought he would be more involved this year as a deep threat. I thought you know there just wouldn't be focus put on him by defenses and. As it turned out, there just wasn't focus put on him by offenses either. Uh, and, you know, with Dallas Goddard and with A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith and the running game, there's just so many mouths to feed. I, I, I never thought that Quez wasn't a fine wide receiver three. I think he's a pretty good wide receiver three. Uh, but now with Dallas Goddard out, they're starting to go to him. And it's so nice to be able to shift your offense like that. Dallas Goddard's a huge piece to the offense. Mm-hmm. And with him out, you can't really replace that production. The tight ends have one reception in the last two games, but Quez Watkins has stepped up and it's so big to be able to have someone even at a different position, step up and fill the void with Dallas Goddard out. So, you know, it's a huge credit to, to Quez and to, to Jalen and to Shane Steichen and the offense to be able to pull that shift off. Yeah, it's been vital, especially with uh, AJ Brown sick and, and all this going on and uh, Devonte Smith banged up. He came out of the game again, um, so he's been banged up the last couple of weeks. So it's good to have Quez and uh, a pretty much well rested, not being utilized all that much over the first half of the season to come in and, and make a difference. So that's been uh, exciting to watch. A lot of fans were asking for like OBJ. He's better than Quez. He'd be a better WR3 and all this. And I was I was partially offended to see that because we all knew how good how good uh, Quez could be. Uh, Shana, uh, the, the weakest point of this team continues to be the uh, 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 the special teams. Are there any final comments you had about the offense before before I? rant about how bad the special teams are <laughs> no, no no by all means go ahead and rant about the special teams <laughs> so so heading heading into the game green bay had the 10th worst kick return average in the nfl at 20.8 yards the eagles allowed this guy Keyshawn nixon who i haven't even heard of before sunday kick returns of 38 yards 52 yards and 53 yards this guy was the first guy he's the only returner after that game the only returner in the NFL with multiple returns of over 50 yards and they both happened in that game 
I was shocked that I was shocked for one that Michael Clay was even brought back this season because the special teams wasn't great last year. The fact that he was brought back and now the the punting situation isn't great. Jake Elliott has been the only constant really in the in the in the special teams. We can't cover kicks. We can't return kicks. We can't do anything <laughs> as far as the kickoff is concerned. What is the what is what is the problem? Michael Clay says it's blocking and this and that. I don't know. What, what what the issue is? Britton Covey's not great punt returning. Is this a, is this a unit issue? Is this a personnel issue? Is this a coaching issue? How do how do we rectify this? Because these are issues I do not want to see come come postseason. Yeah, I, I don't. The simple answer is I don't think the Eagles are going to rectify it this year. And you're going to have to cross your fingers and hope it doesn't cost them a game. Uh, in the off season, they've got to move on from Michael Clay, and he was right. awful last year. I actually went back and searched my tweets for his name to see if I was saying things about him last year. And I, cause I didn't remember. And I was, I know uh, I did. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was all over him last year too. So um, the Eagles haven't really emphasized special teams in terms of their personnel decisions. Uh, you know, they used to always have like that fourth safety that was the special teams ace and, mm-hmm. you know, things like that. They just haven't prioritized that or returners. Uh, and, and Michael Clay obviously is an issue. There's technique issues that, popped up early in the year with like the field goal blocks and things. So it's got to be, I I tweeted out after the Eagles score the touchdown and then Jake Elliott missed the extra point. So it's 13 zero. And then the Eagles gave up a kick return to midfield. And I just said, you know, it's unlikely to matter tonight, but it's going to matter in a game in January. And then of course the Packers scored 21 unanswered and people like, yeah, it might've mattered tonight. And I thought for a minute it would, but the Eagles were able to pull it back. You just don't want to keep doing that. Like The Packers are a great cautionary tale. They should have beat the 49ers last year and gone to the NFC title game. And they didn't because of special teams. Mm-hmm. And the Eagles special teams has been horrendous. I don't even need I don't even need positive plays from the special teams. Just stop having negative plays. Yeah, I need like, neutral. <laughs> I literally don't care if you fair catch every punt. Just no fumbles on punt and kick returns. Don't fall for fakes. Let's stop giving up 50-yard kickoff returns. Like, I don't need positive plays. The Eagles' offense and defense is good enough. Just give me neutral plays, and I'll be happy on special teams. Yeah, I could, I could see if they allowed, like, one return, but, like, three. Three decent returns that continuously gave Aaron Rodgers good field position. That's going to burn you at some point, and and the Eagles have been fortunate that uh, the offense has bailed them out. But you needed 40 points in this game to to, to barely walk away. Uh so let, uh, I'm praying that the special teams um, doesn't doesn't like you said cost them a game, especially in the playoffs. You mentioned that fourth safety is kind of an ace. I thought uh, Shashere kind of kind of fills that role, uh, but he bounces back and forth between the practice squad at all. He doesn't stay on the final 53, but I think he's one of the better special teams players, um, especially now with 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 CJ out and you're going to have Reed Blankenship in there and all and all these things. Uh, I think I think Shashere would be a good get. They did release a couple guys on the practice squad, Kennedy Brooks and and someone else. So I imagine. Uh, a safety will probably make their way over at at some point. They did sign a couple of receivers this morning, though, so I'll have to I'll have to see what those names are and if they can contribute in any facet in the uh, in the in the special teams. Um, defensively, I've already mentioned it. C.J. Garner Johnson, uh, Nick Sirianni just confirmed that it was the lacerated kidney. They don't know if they're going to place him on IIR yet. They say it's not season ending, uh, but he laid a hit on Christian Watson, who's a big dude. I mean, he's he's kind of hard to get to the ground. Bounced off him, was kind of stunned hit the ground and had to be carted off. So we're going to lose him for, for a few weeks. Uh, but Reed Blankenship, a guy who I, I was excited about when they signed him as an undrafted free agent. Cause I did look at him. Um, I know he played five years in, in Tennessee. So it's like, it's not like he doesn't have the experience. He is there <laughs> in, in middle Tennessee and he played a lot of snaps, 
Uh, I, I liked him over Kayvon because none of us like Kayvon Wallace to this point. So, And I liked what I saw, how active he was in preseason. So I wasn't totally shocked to see him lead the team in tackles after this. Six tackles. He had the one tackle for loss. He had a pass defended. And, of course, his first career interception uh, coming off Aaron Rodgers, which Darius Slay is very, very upset about. <laughs> but how impressed were you with Reed Blankenship uh, coming off the bench and making an immediate impact for, for this defense? Yeah, Darius Slay's probably even more upset that that first one went off his helmet. Yeah, Josiah Scott <laughs> literally like it. on his hands. It's crazy. Yeah, um, I, I thought that Reed Blankenship played well, uh, especially in that spot. He'd only played two defensive snaps before this game. So mm-hmm. uh, the, the, the Eagles were doing some strange things with like their safeties, like on the interception the Packers motioned across the formation. It changed their passing strength. And normally the Eagles safeties don't flip. They don't really play a weak side and strong side safety with Chauncey Gardner-Johnson and Marcus Epps. But this time Marcus Epps followed that receiver over to the strong side. And so they they pretty much kept Blankenship on the weak side. Uh, But he keyed that crossing route really good, undercut it for the interception. Uh, He had a really good play coming downhill uh, to make a hit. I don't remember if it was a screen or a run play, but down at the line of scrimmage. So I thought he flew around pretty good. Uh, obviously, the Christian Watson long touchdown, he was a part of that. He bad wasn't angle, the man. only issue. But That's he was a really a bad pursuit it. angle. <laughs> yeah, it was a bad pursuit angle. Although to his credit, Christian Watson's fast. I'm not sure that Chauncey Gardner-Johnson would have been able to track him down either. And that was just a weird play. Um, the Eagles had Josiah Scott lined up over a tight end on the weak side of the formation. And then they had Marcus Epps over the slot. Like there's not a schematic reason for you to have your slot corner not lined up on the slot receiver in man coverage. So they were playing cover one. Marcus Epps has outside leverage. TJ Edwards didn't drop into the hole deep enough. Uh, But even if he does, Watson's going to clear that unless you get an instant win from your pass rush. You get a bad angle from at Reed Blankenship, Marcus Epps is never going to keep up on a crossing route from outside leverage against Christian Watson. So I, I don't, that might just be, we've got two backups out of our five secondary pieces and we just got mixed up. That's the best I can come up with. I really don't know any reason other than that, that you would have that formation flipped like that. But overall, I thought he played good. And I think you'll see probably some communication issues, but he played a good game and I would expect him to be better this week at taking a week as with starting reps it's a lot different just stepping in cold off the bench versus having a week to prepare right yeah it's funny because when he got that interception i was thinking of all the people that say like cj gets lucky interceptions and i was like oh man maybe they're right because reed just stepped in and got one himself so i was like oh maybe anybody can do it uh, that was a, <laughs> that was an incredible play by the safety too like <laughs> You know, and, and that was better than any of CJ's interceptions all year. Is what you're saying? <laughs> uh, no, there was one of his that's up there, but like it, that wasn't that wasn't that wasn't pressure. It wasn't hit as your throat. It wasn't a deflection. Like I was just reading read Rodgers. He read Rodgers and he cut that route, and that was a beautiful play. Yeah, heck yeah! For for the people that are giving him flack of uh of for giving uh, Reed Blankenship flack for that for the angle he took on Christian Watson. For the record, like Shane mentioned, uh, Watson had the sixth fastest forty time in the draft last year. So he's a he's a he's a quick dude for a guy his size. He was a guy I looked at in the draft as a potential, you know, pairing with Devontae Smith. I was like, ooh, he might be a, a sneaky option in, in the second round. So I'm not shocked that he uh once he was drafted to Green Bay, I said, Oh, it, it might take a little bit, but he's gonna he he couldn't land in a better spot. A guy with Devontae just left, he's gonna be able to thrive uh, uh, uh right away. So I was kind of excited. Well, I mean, not on that play specifically, but I'm kind of excited to see Christian Watson um um thrive for for a guy that I was so excited about. Um, um, in the draft. 
Uh, so continuing, I, I looked at these uh, the snap counts the other day, and I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, I saw Robert Quinn at 11. Is this guy ever – are we getting anything from him this season? Or is this just going to be one of those, like, we tried it, it didn't work out, move on, oh well. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think <laughs> I think barring an injury, I don't know that you're going to see him a lot. Uh, and I don't know that he's going to make an impact. And we wasted you know, a fourth Eagles, rounder. Especially think about the defensive tackles. Jordan Davis's practice window is activated today. So you've got, you've got Jordan Davis, Linval Joseph and Dominican Sue, Javon Hargrave, Fletcher Cox, Milton Williams. Like when they're all back, you got to think Milton Williams is going to be a game day inactive. They're not going to suit six defensive tackles and they like to rush Fletcher Cox off the edge sometimes. So I, I think that, I think just it's going to be a numbers game and Quinn's not giving you anything. I just don't think you're going to see him play very much barring an injury to like Brandon Graham or Josh sweat or something. Yeah. I'm, I don't. Yeah. Just nothing like week by week. I'm like, we're going to see more of whom he's going to be more effective. It hasn't been great um, um, to this point. One last thing on CJ before, before we go ahead and go to break to talk about, I think there's some, some tight end talk you uh, you want to talk about, but how, how how much of a drop off are we? Obviously Blankenship is an undrafted free agent. I know Josiah Scott was kind of cross trained at safety during training camp. Of course, we all complain about Kayvon, but we're going to have to see him at some point. They're gonna, it's going to be by committee. How much of a drop-off do you think it's going to be for, for these few weeks uh, uh, with CJ gone? I know that you really key in on what he does for the defense and what he's kind of lacking in. Is this going to be a tough hole to fill, or do you think the Eagles will be all right for a few weeks while while he's on the mend? It, it's going to be a drop-off. Um, one nice thing, though, is playing splits field safety looks as much as the Eagles do. Safety's aren't as big of a focal point at, at your corners are more important. Your so if you're going to have a spot to be weak and the Eagles have kind of shown this with how they valued safety as well. Like, don't forget they were willing to go into the season with Anthony Harris and Jaquiski Tart and Marcus Epps as their safeties before mm-hmm. the, before the saints just lost their mind and gave Chauncey Gardner Johnson away. So the Eagles don't value safety super high and it's partially because of their scheme. So you're going to notice a drop off. I think, uh, just given the scheme they play, it should be manageable. It'll be interesting to me what happens once Avante Maddox comes back, because as you mentioned, Josiah Scott cross-trained at safety this offseason. So I'm curious if they will shift Josiah Scott to safety or, or if they'll just take him off the field and leave Reed Blankenship out there. And it'll probably depend on how he does you know, in the next week or two. Yeah, I'm just, I'm intrigued to see how how they do it. Like I said, I was impressed with Reed, but um, C, CJ, who's who still leads the league in interceptions with six, and obviously looking for that new contract, it's a it's a it's a it's a tough sight, um, um, for him. Um, anything else you want to hit on before we go to break? We got some rumors to come back and talk about as well as the upcoming matchup, uh, with the Titans and King Henry and how scary that's that's going to be. Any final uh points on the Eagles versus Packers as the Eagles sit at ten and one. With a two-game lead, I believe over Minnesota for the, for the top seed in the NFC. Yeah, I got a question for you. Yeah, what's End that? of the game, up seven, uh, just a little over or just a little over two minutes left. The Eagles elected to try a fifty-four-yard field goal on a fourth and three. Mm-hmm. What'd you think of that decision? What would you have done there? Uh, well, I was very depressed when I found out. Well, I was I, when I first heard they were going to punt it. Like I, I thought I heard, saw something that they were going to punt. I was like, if they punt this ball, <laughs> that's even that's even worse. Um, I was I was I was I was I was happy they kicked it. Were they supposed to do something else? You wanted to go for it, didn't you? I, I if I was <laughs> ranking it, I, I'm okay with either going for it or kicking the field goal. The only deci- the only wrong decision I think would be to punt it. Yeah, but once I, I saw I, that, I, really, I was like, oh hell no. <laughs> yeah, I, I really don't care about an extra thirty yards. 
I mean, there's two, it would have been a little over two minutes left. Green Bay had timeouts. So I don't think that gained you anything. I would have slightly preferred, if I was making the call, I would have gone for it. Mm -hmm. I think, Uh, you know, it's windy. Elliot missed an extra point already in the game. I probably would have went on fourth and three. I was fine with the decision to kick, but as long as they didn't punt, I was okay. But, you know, props to Sirianni for putting his faith in Jake Elliott and it works out. Elliott hits the big kick. So I've never understood Jake Elliott. Like he'll miss an extra point like twice a year for no good reason. He'll miss. I used to have a running joke that Jake Elliott was like perfect from beyond 40 yards, but mm-hmm. in under 40 yards, he was hit or miss. So the Eagles should just false start till they got outside of the 40 yard line. <laughs> Delay a game, run the clock out. <laughs> yeah. He's like, he's like better on harder kicks. He misses the layups and he hits the three. So, uh, Anyways, I, I was fine with the decision. I was just curious what you thought there. Yeah, anything but punting in that situation. I was uh, once once yeah, I was like, we better not better not punt this ball. Jake Elliott, though, 17 uh career, 50 plus yard field goals. That's most in franchise history. So another record broken on Sunday. Who would have thought it'd be Jake Elliott with David Akers? I mean, not really good names after that. Alex Henry and other guys out there. <laughs> uh, but good good on Jake Elliott for for a guy who uh uh was he undrafted? Was he was he for, for a guy no, who was, he was like, drafted, mm. he was drafted by the Bengals. Actually, I remember he came from the Bengals. I didn't. I didn't remember how he made it into the league. But for a guy who came in, you know, for for, for and has that memorable uh, a Super Bowl run, and he he stuck with the team, and we gave him flack for that twenty one million dollar contract. I think how he gave him, and we were like, oh man, it's not looking good. He had that one rough year, but glad to see him um um sustain success. Uh, we're gonna go to a quick break right here, but when we come back, we have some rumor mills, some things about some potential retired players that may make their way back, uh, as well as previewing the upcoming matchup against the Titans this Sunday. Stay tuned right here to the EPA podcast on Bleeding Green Nation. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between so you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected, and 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, Trust Atlassian Software for everything from space exploration and green energy to delivering pizzas and podcasts. Whether you're a team of two, 200 or 2 million, or whether your team is around the corner or on another continent altogether, Atlassian Software is built 
to help keep you all on the same page from start to finish. That way, every one of your teams, from engineering and IT to marketing, HR and legal, can stay connected and move together as one towards shared company-wide goals. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Welcome back to the EPA podcast. I'm back here with Victor Williams. Victor, we've seen some rumors floating around uh, on the interwebs about some retired players that might want to make their way back to the Mm -hmm. Philadelphia Eagles. Obviously, the Eagles lose Chauncey Gardner-Johnson in this game, and immediately rumors start swirling about Malcolm Jenkins. The Eagles are also a couple games into missing Dallas Goddard, and I've seen some rumors out there that or a little more unsubstantiated, but some rumors about Rob Gronkowski. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's start with Malcolm Jenkins here. If you're Howie, are you picking up the phone? Are you giving Malcolm Jenkins a call out of retirement to come and play for this team? Yeah, it's it's interesting because uh, we saw that. Well, first we saw the first rumor, but uh, about Deshaun Jackson before he went to Baltimore when he had his uh, a podcast in the city and he said, "I'm ready to go." People were like, "Hey, punt returner, we need a punt returner." Um, and then he went to Baltimore, and then here comes Darren Sproles. Talking about I can give I can give somebody a good playoff run. I still got it. Everybody gets excited. Oh man, still need that punt returner. And now here is Malcolm Jenkins, who I think John Clark interviewed him. I think it was the day before Chauncey. Like the episode came out obviously the same day, but he interviewed him the day before Chauncey went down. So thanks for the jinx, uh, uh, John Clark. So thanks for, for that. But I mean, I don't know. It's hard with these with these older guys who are not like you know atoned to NFL speed. Obviously, Malcolm was was very successful. Um, during his tenure in, in Philadelphia, one of the greatest probably free agent acquisitions in, in franchise history when you really break it down and think about it. But man, uh, he, he's probably a better option than what Jonathan Abraham, who just got bounced off the Packers practice squad. He tried to make it work over there and it didn't. Oh, man, I, I think I would rather see as great as Malcolm is. I think I'd rather see see the young kid Reed try and stick it out and see what he can do. A guy who's who's acclimated with the offense. Malcolm, by the time he gets familiar with whatever is going on, in Gannon's defense and is, you know, and is used to NFL speed, Chauncey will probably be back. And, uh, and, and cause it's only what well, it's a lacerated kidney. Zach Ertz. He, I know. So the thing about Zach Ertz is that he, he was out for one week, but the context is different because Zach Ertz didn't have to lay hits on defense. Number one. And number two, Ertz came back because the Eagles are pushing for the playoffs. I believe he was, he got hurt in the season finale against Dallas was out for the one week and then came back for the wild card game. You know, obviously in pain. Um, so it's it's a little different here. Malcolm is fun to think about. I don't know if I would do it, and I'm pretty sure Derek Gunn confirmed that the Eagles aren't even thinking about it anyway. So while it is a fun thought to think about, I don't know how effective it would be if he's in shape. I mean, a workout a workout wouldn't hurt. <laughs> yeah, I'd do it in a heartbeat. Uh, oh, you would? Well, <laughs> I'd do it in a heartbeat. I just think. I mean, he's a vet. Because he's the hybrid, up, right? And he can play yeah, versatile. He, he plays defense. all the positions. Yeah. yeah, you can pick a, up the defense and a snap, like. He he would give you versatility. He can play in the slot, so it helps protect you there too. Is he in shape? Is he in shape? I, well, he says he is. I mean, I'd bring him in for a workout and see. There you go. A workout. <laughs> he played in the box a lot, so theoretically, you could even go into some single high stuff and put him in the box as a safety. So uh, he, he'd be good on. Spe- he was always good on special teams, and you know, I saw people saying, "Would you know? Would he be okay with not having much of a role once?" Chauncey Gardner Johnson came back and was like, well, he's got no role now. And it would be a minor role on a team that's pushing for a Super Bowl in a city that loves you. So 
I would give him a call in a heartbeat, and I'd give Gronk a call in a heartbeat too. So bring him in. Super what is Gronk, what is Gronk gonna give in. you? Let's though. go. What is what is the reasoning behind Gronk? Because I've tried to wrap my head around it, and I'm just like, I don't know. First of all, I don't know why he would come to Philadelphia. Number two, what does he what does he give you at this stage? When was the last time he played? When did he retire? The Super Bowl year for Tampa? Yeah. So he's yeah. been out of the league for a year. I mean, he he was at the very least, uh, he was he's a good uh, run blocker, and people say that about Jack Stoll. He's just not, but you can bring him back. He can be a run blocker for you. He's also, I mean, he's old, but he can catch the ball. He's a passing threat. Uh, he played he played last season for Tampa, so he's only, of course, he retired in 2019. And then he came back and played two years with Tampa, and then he's been retired for half a season. But he had 800 yards last year. 14.6 yards per reception. So uh, I'd bring him back just till Goddard gets back. He'd be a better run blocker than Jack Stoll, and he'd be a better receiving option than Grant Calcaterra, albeit, you know, not nearly as good as Goddard. But he'd give you a boost, so I'm all for it. Bring in all the vets, I said. Yeah, I'm calling Brent Selleck before I call Gronk. I will do that. Then <laughs> at least we have the nostalgia if that's going to be the uh that's going to be the re, uh the the recurring themes um one more rumor i do want to touch on though that's not specifically like tied to the eagles but how scared of dallas should we be if they get obj like like have you given that any thought like should we because dallas is creeping up i believe they're three four right behind us in the power rankings and they and they looked impressive i believe if the playoffs end today all four nfc east teams are, are in the postseason if, if the playoffs were to begin today if dallas swings it and somehow pulls in OBJ, how, how, how worried should we be? I think Dallas is already kind of a worrying team. Uh, they're, mm. they're a very good team. They've got a very, very good defense. When the offense is clicking, when Dak isn't throwing dumb interceptions, which he's done from time to time. He did it this week. He, he did threw on Thanksgiving. interceptions in the first half, <laughs> but then he pulled it out in the second half. Like, but when their offense is clicking, they're really good. And, Obviously, adding OBJ to that helps. How much it helps, I don't know. Uh, coming off the injury, hasn't played all year. But, you know, we've seen vets come in at this. We've seen Linval Joseph and Ndamukong Sue come in for the Eagles this year. You saw Eric Weddle come in for the Rams last year. You saw, you saw OBJ come into the Rams last year. So I'm not like – I'm already concerned about the Cowboys. They're a very good football team. OBJ mm -hmm. doesn't move the needle for me a whole lot with them, but I, I would still hate to see it happen. Yeah, if I'm the Eagles, uh, I'm signing. I'm not. We, we don't need OBJ, but I'm signing him to spite Dallas anyway. That's what I'll do. I'll sign him just to keep him uh, away from there. But I'm with you as much as we dislike Dallas and the rivalry and all that. I was watching them on Thanksgiving, and I was like, I mean, they got a they got a nice little they got a nice little team. That Pollard emergence is something. That Pollard Zeke thing. They finally figured out their roles as Zeke as the short yardage power back and using and using actually using Tony Pollard and not relegating him to just as a backup running back. That's that's a nice little little offense they got. CD. Dallas fans will scream until until their throat is tired. That CD now is over AJ Brown in receiving yards, so good for them. But CD is a very good receiver. Obviously, Michael Gallup. Uh, when I was watching Michael Gallup on Thanksgiving, I was like, he is like catching everything. This guy is, and and they're not like routine catches. Like he is literally snagging the ball out of the air. So Dallas has some good pieces. Um, we'll see if Dak Prescott can uh, can keep away from the turnovers and and make them formidable because we all know how it gets for Dallas in December and in the playoffs and everything comes crumbling down. So uh, as far as the Eagles are concerned, next game on the schedule for them is the Tennessee Titans. The last home game for a little bit for them. I believe the next two to three are, are away games. Uh, so they want to get this last home victory before they hit the road 
and have to see uh, Chicago Giants a couple times and all of these things. Uh, obviously, the most worrisome thing is King Henry, who was already at 1,000 rushing yards on the season, <laughs> and he is running with the purpose. He runs guys over. He is the most physical running back in the league. And for an Eagles team that had a tough time with Damian Pierce and just got run over by A.J. Dillon, who hadn't even scored since week one prior to the Eagles game. Of course, the Eagles give it up on a 20-yard run to A.J. Dillon. What is the formula? We got to praise God that uh, the Eagles have to make a decision by Saturday if Jordan Davis is going to play or not in this game. Let's all cross our fingers and pray that Jordan Davis can be here because if not, it might be a long day Sunday afternoon. <laughs> yeah, uh, Derrick Henry is averaging 3.61 yards after contact. After contact. Per, it's just per disgusting. Theory, it's just disgusting. Which is sixth in the NFL. And, you know, we've talked about the Eagles and their tackling issues. And so, you know, that could certainly be a tackle. Tennessee wants to run the ball, right? That's not a surprise to anybody. Uh, they're ninth in run block win rate at 72%. So they're going to try to pound the ball early. They're going to try to uh, get into short yarded situations. They run into a stacked box on 39% of their runs. They're not, they don't even care if you stack the box, which the Eagles don't do, but they wouldn't care if the Eagles did. They're going to try to run the ball and they do that to set up their play action. 30% of Ryan Tannehill's passes are, are play action passes. And so it's going to be similar to what you saw the commanders do. They're going to try to run the ball. They're going to try to get into short yardage situations. They're going to, they're going to play action pass with Ryan Tannehill and they're going to try to push the ball downfield when they do uh, this is a surprising stat, but the Titans actually lead the NFL in 40 plus yard passing plays. They've had 10 this season. So they will take shots deep with Tannehill off of their play action game. Uh, it's going to be really important for the Eagles early in this game, hopefully to take a lead uh, or at least to be able to get the Titans behind the sticks. Yeah. You want if you get a sizable lead, that's less running plays. And I'd rather have much rather have the ball in Ryan Tannehill's hands than, than Derek Henry's Derek Henry averaging 95 yards a game rushing this season. That is just absurd. If you average nearly a hundred yards a game, it's just even that means the defense knows it's coming and they can't stop it. And that is scary for Eagles defense that has struggled to this point in the season. And even more scary is that this season, obviously the, uh, the A.J. Brown departure has a lot to do with it, but they're even using Derrick Henry as a running back now, or as a receiving threat, which is even more devastating. He had that long run. He fumbled at the goal line, but he had that long uh, screen pass that he took like 70 yards uh, on Sunday. Derrick Henry has nearly 300 yards receiving this season, so that's also a uh, uh, something to worry about because he's obviously he's somehow become a pass catcher and I don't want to see a guy like Derrick Henry catching the ball on a screen pass with three blockers in front of him is devastating I don't know how you're going to get through get through to that so let's all hope that the Eagles can try and contain that Shane if I had to ask you who do you think is the Titans leading wide receiver this year who would you guess <laughs> uh is it is it Robert Woods uh, just barely, Robert Woods. Now, how many yards do you think he had? Uh, I don't know, 442. 350, 350. Leading receiver, 351. Traylon Burks right behind him, 334. And then Austin Hooper is there with uh, 257. So the passing attack is is not very great. Traylon Burks is getting better by the week, though. He made a really good catch last week. That was A.J. Brown-esque. You know, rose up, grabbed it at the catch point, And that's what the Titans were hoping they were getting. When they didn't pay AJ Brown, traded him and used that selection on Traylon Burks, who they had prayed is AJ Brown, uh, uh, a 2.0. If the Eagles do get ahead, say the Eagles get a two score lead, it's the third quarter. The Titans have to play catch up 
uh, what do you think the game plan becomes? Who do you try to stop in that passing attack? Or do you just zone it out and just <laughs> hope that, that Tannehill, you know, uh, gets under pressure and, and throws a couple turnovers? Yeah, I would be happy to zone it out and make Ryan Tannehill go on long drives, uh, prevent the explosives, make him drive the field. And you can get pressure on the tight. Like, their offensive line's bad. Mm-hmm. Ryan Tannehill, well, they're bad at pass blocking. They're really good at run blocking. But pass protection is shaky at best. Um, Ryan Tannehill's been pressured on 37% of his dropbacks this year, which is seventh in the NFL. That's up there just behind guys like Justin Fields, Taylor Heineke, Davis Mills, Zach Wilson, guys that just get pressured a ton. And when he's under pressure, his completion percentage drops 20% and his QB rating drops 23 points. So you can get pressure. Uh, Taylor Lewin is on IR, their left tackle. And so a guy named Dennis Daly is their starting left tackle. (laughs) He's just been really bad. Like he's allowed six sacks and 32 pressures in 10 games. Their right tackle, Nicholas Petit Ferreri, uh, he was a third round rookie. He was 73rd on my big board uh, going into this last draft. He's allowed 23 pressures. He has not played well. As a team, they're 26th in pass block win rate. And so if the Eagles can get them into passing situations, it's it's not good for the Titans offense when people know they have to pass. And they're not a creative offense. They're bottom five in terms of like going up tempo, going into shotgun, going into RPOs. Like this is an under center play action team that doesn't do anything fancy. And I think if the Eagles can get them into passing situations, they're going to struggle. Did you say 73 on your big board? How many players you got on your big board every year? That's a lot of players to scout, man. I look at maybe like 20, (laughs) 25. I think I went went to 125 this year. That's a lot. That was the most I had ever done. I was trying to get through like, basically day one and two was what I was trying to get through. So I look at like the top, I I pick like three to four of like my favorite favorites from each position, like not necessarily the top players, but I like zone in on a few that I like scout those guys. And then like, yo, 125 players. It was a lot. It was a lot. I don't like, I don't do any other sports. It's all football. Yeah. That explains it. I'm not into (laughs) basketball when football season starts. I'm into draft scouting. That's fun. That's, I thought I got a lot. Holy heck, man. That's crazy. Um, so <laughs> another matchup uh, that I think will be intriguing is actually the Titans have a pretty good rushing defense as well. And the Eagles, who are arguably running the ball even better than they were last year when they were the number one rushing offense in the NFL. I think this is going to be a, uh, a, uh, a matchup to watch. The Titans allow 84.4 rushing yards per game. That's good for third in the league. They only allow five rushing first downs per game. That's good for seventh in the league. They've, uh, they allow under half, I mean, okay, so if you were to numerize it, like 0.3 rushing touchdowns allowed per game first, obviously, in the league. They only allow 3.9 yards per rush attempt. That's good for second in the league. And 28.5 percentage of rushing plays resulting in first downs. Good for fifth in the league. So when I was uh, looking at all this, I was pretty shocked because I don't recall the Tennessee having like any bona fide like guys along that offensive line. How are the Eagles going to continue to be effective uh, on the ground against that apparently potent Titans rushing defense. <laughs> yeah, they're they're first in rushing DVOA. They're first in rushing EPA. Because of who? Who's on that? Who's on that defensive line? <laughs> uh, Jeffrey Simmons is is one of the big ones. Jeffrey <laughs> Simmons uh, was tied to the Eagles a lot in his draft that he came out. I can't remember who the Eagles selected instead. Was he on your big uh, board? Was he on your big board? I, I wasn't doing it quite like that back then. So. <laughs> That's I don't have I don't have big boards going back that far, but um, he was so when he came out in the draft, he was 
he was basically looking at a redshirt year because he'd torn his ACL. And so the Titans stashed him basically. And uh, he's, he's a phenomenal football player. He's third in run stop win rate. Uh, he's also a really good pass rusher. He's got 37 pressures on the year, seven sacks. Uh, and then Danico Autry is opposite him. And, and he's also very good more so as a pass rusher, 44 pressures, seven sacks. And so uh, Autry missed the Bengals game with a knee injury. There's no word yet on this week if he's going to play, but that duo of Simmons and Autry is really good. Uh, they've also got a linebacker named David Long. I was uh, looking was at a, him. Yep. He leaves yeah, the team of tackles. Six, that guy. He was a six-round pick in 2019 out of West Virginia, and he was actually a safety in college, and he transitioned to linebacker, which is the opposite of what usually happens. I remember I had I wanted him on day three for the Eagles. That was back when the Eagles had no linebackers. I thought he would be a good linebacker, and he struggled his first couple of years, but he's really emerged this year, especially as a run defender and as a blitzer. So he generates a lot of pressures. Uh, he's got a lot. He's a good run defender. So he's going to make plays over the middle of the field. The most impressive thing to me about the Titans defense, though, is they have a light box on 75% of their snaps. They sit in these two high shells like the Eagles do. And yet they manage to have the best rushing defense in the NFL. Mm. So it's interesting how they've been able to pull that off. A lot of it just comes down to their fantastic front seven. This is this is the best front seven, I think, that the Eagles will face mm. unless they get to like the Super Bowl against maybe like the Bills. Mm. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to watch uh, to watch that matchup. While they might be strong in rushing defense, the passing defense is another story. Even if you look at the cornerbacks, because they're a team that has invested a lot of draft capital uh, in recent in recent memory. I remember Christian Fulton. In 2020, I, the only reason I know that name fairly well because he was a guy on my on my big words. <laughs> uh, the Christian Fulton. That's he who was I big, wanted in the second round instead of Hurts. Jalen Hurts. Yes, I was. I mean, it was, the quarterback wasn't even on my radar, but I wanted Christian Fulton bad. I wanted Fulton, Zach Bond, Jeremy Chin. Like there was a lot of names. That even well, I mean Denzel Mims at the time, but <laughs> there was a lot of names in the second round that I thought the Eagles were going to pick, and Christian Fulton was one of them. So him in 2020, I believe Caleb Farley at one point they took Roger McCreary. Uh, last year and Roger McCreary has really been the guy who's been targeted a whole lot this season he's allowed 49 completions this year on 71 targets 552 yards and four touchdowns on the season so I assume if the game plan rolls the right way Jalen Hurts is going to target him a lot through the air whether it be Smitty or AJ Brown if AJ's you know feeling feeling better than he was last week throwing up and all that and if Smitty is okay he in and out of the blue tent so that's uh, another matchup I think that the the Eagles should be able to uh to, to take advantage of are you anything specific you're looking for as far as the secondary i'm not too familiar um with their with, with their safeties i know they have a uh, they have a good one is byard on that is byard on that defense is, yeah, or is... They, they've got so their their corners are not that great um it's a lot of undersized guys and so i think you can make plays on them caleb farley is a guy that they took uh in the draft that's was a guy I really liked, but he's been injury prone in college that's persisted uh, into the NFL. So he is out. He has uh, a herniated Kevin, disc, I think. Right? Yeah. Herniated he's disc in his back. So he's out for the season. Uh, yeah. Kevin Byard, he's a guy to look out for. Armani Star Hooker safety. is their other safety. Uh, Byard is the guy that you probably want to avoid, but <laughs> you can make plays against the secondary. They're all undersized. You should be able to do that. Uh, they're a very heavy, uh, middle field open zone coverage team. So think like the way that the Texans played the good old school Tampa two. Now the Titans mix it up more than that, but that's what they like to do a lot. They run a lot of light personnel. 
uh, nickel on 59% of their snaps, dime on 23% of their snaps. And I think this is a game where you're really going to miss Dallas Goddard for the Eagles, because you think back to the Texans game, how do you attack those, those two high safety zone coverage looks, you do it with those outbreaking routes and the Eagles love to throw those to Dallas Goddard. They, they ran so many corner routes to Dallas Goddard under the safeties against mm. the Texans. That they, they got out of their Tampa too. I don't know. You're not doing that with Jack Stoll or Grant Calcaterra. So that leaves you trying to hit whole shots up the sideline, uh, which hurts can rip those, but that's a tough throw. Uh, they're going to they're gonna probably limit your explosive plays because they do have those two safeties sitting up high. So it, I think it's going to be a grinded out game. It's going to be a slugfest game. The Eagles are going to have to go on long drives. The, the Titans are just, they're a big physical team that likes to hit hard. And I think they're going to drag you down into the muck with them and make this a dogfight. Yeah, Kevin Byard, uh, 24 career interceptions on the year. So definitely a guy that Jalen Hurts probably shouldn't be uh, throwing towards. So let's hope they can steer clear. Of of that, Jalen Hurts on the year. Do you, I, I when you look at it, and I know like rushing touchdowns and all that, but even if you look at just passing, seventeen touchdowns to just three interceptions. He's thrown one interception for every one hundred and six pass attempts this season. Why is that? Like I feel like that. I feel like that's super impressive. Like the only ones that have less uh, interceptions. I think uh, Gino has nineteen and three, and I think Tom Brady has two picks on the year. That's it. It's the only quarterbacks that have turned the ball over less. Than, than, than Jalen Hurts. Why is this not being talked about more? Like, he's very good at ball security and taking care of the ball. I know he had the, the strip sack last week. Uh, but for the most part, man, he does not turn the ball over for a guy who can't, you know, read a defense <laughs> and all the other narratives last year. But how, how, is, how is this going by the wayside? I feel like people should be talking about how, how secure Jalen Hurts is with the football. Yeah, and the important thing is a lot of times you get these low interception players, and it's because they will never attempt to throw in a tight window. Mm-hmm. And Hertz is not afraid to rip throws. He just he's especially so not this at, year, no. Yeah, he's so good at putting the ball where only his guy can get to it. Um, he's very careful with the ball, and it's one of the great, one of the best traits of him. And when you got a good offense, you just take care of the football and you let the offense work. And he does such a good job of that. And you know, really, the only weakness for the offense I feel like this year, besides you know, we can set aside like the dumb fumbles and things that mm-hmm. happens a little bit. You got to work on that. But the schematic weakness has been against the blitz. They've struggled against the blitz. Well, the Titans don't blitz. They only blitz on about 13% of dropbacks. So that's 30th in the league. And so I don't, I'm not super worried about the offense. I, I think it's going to be tough sledding running the ball. I think the Eagles are going to have to go on sustained drives, throwing the ball, but this isn't last year's team. This isn't last year's Jalen Hurts. He's very capable of moving the passing attack. And, you know, I've put out some stats and things and people say, you just keep running the ball. And I don't think you have to do that. The Eagles are very good. They're sixth in EPA passing the ball. I don't think you have to try to run your head into a wall here. I think you can open up the passing game a little bit. Let's get AJ Brown his revenge game. That's what I want to see. Yeah, that would be that. Would, I, I don't know how he made it this far without even talk about that. AJ would surely be motivated uh, to go ahead and uh, stick it to the team that was so reluctant to pay him. And AJ has showed why he's been so uh, so so vital to to an offense. And whenever Malik Willis does get the does get the torch, you know, full time, I'm sure he could use a guy like like AJ Brown because the one game he did get to play in this year, it wasn't looking good um uh uh passing wise so yeah very good things as far as uh Jalen Hurts is concerned breaking a ton of records etching his name in the history books the only player in NFL history for uh to to throw for 6500 yards and rush for 1500 yards in their first 
30 starts. How do you feel about stats like that? A lot of people give me a flag for saying like, oh, we can like create these kind of stats for anybody. Like he's the first player to do it. I can't create this. It's just he's the first one to do it. I'm sorry. Like, but I understand you can curate your stats to fit any narrative that you choose. But like, I thought I thought it was a good stat. <laughs> I mean, sure. You can you can make a stat, say whatever you want. But these stats are clearly backed up by what you're seeing. on the Right. Field, What's the so. problem? Man? Yeah, I, I'm good with it. Yeah, I don't I just think what the problem is. Uh, final predictions uh, for Sunday for, for Tennessee. What you got? Oh, man. I've gone back and forth on this one. Oh, you think they're like, losing? I don't know. It, it's going to be a tough game. You I think, think they this lose? Is, no this way. is a huge test. I, I go back and forth. Like, on the one hand, I think that Tennessee's defense is going to be strong and, and mm-hmm. their offense plays into the weaknesses of the Eagles' defense. But on the flip side, I have a hard time envisioning them putting up a lot of points still. So I sort of feel like Tennessee either wins a close one here or the Eagles just sort of blow them out of the water. They're able to jump on a lead early and they force the Titans to play their game trying to catch up. Mm-hmm. And I've gone back and forth on what's going to happen. I'm probably going to keep doing that. Um, but so right. The score prediction I made tentative. last night. Tentative predictions. Yeah, <laughs> score prediction I made last night on a different podcast. I said uh, Titans 24, Eagles 21. Uh, I, I i'm not going to be shocked really with any outcome in this game unless it was like a titans blowout but yeah th- this is a tough one i do think this is the toughest i think this is the toughest game the eagles have left on their schedule i think it's a tougher game than the dallas game and obviously the dallas game being a rivalry in dallas on christmas eve for the division like it's more impactful but this isn't the paper tiger or titans team last year that was the one seed in the afc like i feel like this titans team is better than last year's Titans team, uh, extremely well coached and physical. So I'm going to say that the Titans take this in a close one, but I really hope I'm wrong. I was going to say, I was going to say 23, 17 Eagles. And that is, I just pulled up the spread and the Eagles are five and a half point favorites. So there's no way that they win by six. Exactly. So that was my, my prediction. So now I'm going to change it to 20 to 17, just because I, I, I don't know if they cover. Um, so, so yeah, I say 20 to 17. I'm with you though. Definitely close. going to be a grinded out type of game. I don't envision either side blowing out, blowing out the other. Uh, I do see that the Eagles probably get a lead in the second half and the Titans, like you mentioned, get caught playing catch up. They have to try and throw the ball. The Eagles make them pay with a turnover probably and they'll, and they'll eke it out. I think it's an underrated Titans team. I do like Vrabel. I do like Derrick Henry. I do like their defense. I've never been a Tannehill fan. People last offseason be like, I would take Tannehill over Jalen Hurts. Never in my life. I don't know why that was ever a conversation, <laughs> but I think the Eagles do eke it in by, or uh, eke it out by, uh, by uh, three points. I uh, appreciate everyone tuned in to this edition of the uh, EPA podcast. That's Eagles player analysis with myself, Victor Williams, as well as Shane Half. You can follow me on all social platforms: Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, wherever you digest your content. Be sure to do that over at. The Philly Pod, be sure to rate the show five stars, leave reviews. Each and every review does help bring Bleeding Green Nation to more Eagles fans, NFL fans, football fans alike. Shane, where can the people find you and your work and your videos and everything that you do and you get dragged for on Twitter because you apparently hate Jalen Hurts? So tell everybody where you openly hate on Jalen Hurts. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I apparently openly hate on Jalen Hurts (laughs) at half and half underscore TPL on Twitter where I have like a six to one positive to negative tweet ratio. Take that for what it's worth. Uh, You can uh, find me on YouTube at Shane Half NFL where I put out a lot of all 22 content. Going to have a lot less of that this week with the sick kids, but I do have a video out right now Uh, breaking down what happened on both of the interceptions of Aaron Rodgers, and I'll have a couple more trickling out later this week. So 
uh, make sure you follow me there and make sure you read those tweets before you reply to them. Yes, yes. For you people out there, when you remove RPOs and prove that Jalen Hurts is a good quarterback, regardless of the situation, that is hating on Jalen Hurts. So that's where <laughs> you can find all that content over there. Follow me at the Philly Pod. We will catch you guys next week on another episode of the EPA podcast. Hopefully talking about a win and the Eagles being 11 and one. We'll catch you guys next time. Thank you guys for listening to BGN Radio at Bleeding Green Nation. Go Birds. Go Birds. Claude 3 from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point of the price performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skill and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and lowest cost model on the market, perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who use Anthropic to navigate this new frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude, C-L-A-U-D-E, today. Jumpstart your genius with Claude 3 by Anthropic. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement.